Um, I don't know how many of you have seen the stuff that's happening at Asbury University. How many of you have seen that? Okay. Yeah, go ahead. So when, when I see stuff like that, it, it's almost like a, a North Star, a true North for Michelle and I. Um, my heart has been stirred the last couple of days. I mean, before we came, I was trying to eat salmon and cauliflower rice, and I couldn't hardly get through the tears just thinking about, no, I do eat that stuff. Just trying to, just thinking about the presence of the Lord and what happens when He shows up among the people. And anytime that happens somewhere, it just arrests my heart. I think it's really the providence of the Lord that Pastor Stephen is here. He was actually at Asbury last night. Uh, and, and he and I have that same kind of lightning rod thing in us that when, when we hear of God moving somewhere, we're stirred with hope and faith that He would do it among us. And so I celebrate it. I have no interest in critiquing and evaluating. Uh, I saw someone say today, and, and I, this is really my posture, it's kind of like Gamaliel. If, if God is in this, on the chance that He is, I'm going to just keep my mouth shut and I'm going to be wide open in my heart. And so I just have an openness to the Lord anytime I see that He's moving somewhere or that just people are hungry and in pursuit of Him. And so as I've been pondering that, I... I I just felt like I wanted to share with you uh, how the Lord raised Michelle and I. I I believe, and I refer to that a lot in private conversations and in asides with people, that the Lord raised me to be a certain way in a certain thing. Uh, Because I very much believe the places the Lord put you through your life, the people that He brought into your life as spiritual influences, the experiences you've had with Him over the course of your history are really strong clues as to what the Lord wants to do in your future and how He wants to use you. And so Michelle and I were raised in Covington Assembly of God. I've shared that before, but what I haven't told you uh, is that there was a season in our high school years where, you know, before you really called things revival, back then revival was you brought in a guest speaker and they were there for a week. That was revival. You held a revival. But what what our church started experiencing for months was what you would categorize as revival now. It it was really common during the praise and worship, uh, and and we were singing out of hymnals. I mean, it wasn't like what it is now. But we would begin to worship in that church. And it was a regular happening that entire families would get out of their seat, go to the altar, and get saved. I mean, I can recall a couple of families that were some of the most notorious in our county. And the entire family comes to the altar in the middle of worship, no message preached. They kneel down, they're weeping, they're broken, they're getting saved. And this just happened on the regular. The church doubled pretty much in size over these few months because so many people were just randomly getting saved. And so that was our early formative memories even though we didn't know what to call it back then. And so we, we go from, from that experience. Uh, but at the time that I graduated high school, I got saved when I was five, filled with the Holy Spirit when I was 12, felt called to preach when I was 15. Like all the boxes were checked. And I've shared with this with you before, but I'll go into a little more detail. 
we go to Bible college. I go to a CBC. Michelle goes to Evangel. And uh, we get to the break, December break. And there's a special one-night service happening at Cathedral of Praise in Memphis, Cordova. It's now City Church. used to be pastored by Pastor Randall McCarty and Darlene McCarty. They had a one-night special service. And, uh, and Michelle was going. The night before, she had had an encounter with God at a different special service. And she was like, I'm going to this thing in Memphis. And she really was pushing me to go. Now, an aside to the story is... Like, we were broke up. And that happened quite a bit. But I didn't do any of the breaking up. I knew I wanted to marry her the minute we started dating. It took her a minute to figure it out. <laughs> I'm just messing. So we, we get to this specific date, December 19th, and she's really pushing me. I, you should go. Let's go to this. I didn't want to. I was mad at her. Like legit. Didn't, I was mad at her. I was offended. I didn't want anything to do with her. But I went because our youth group got on a van. The youth pastor took us. And they gave an altar call that night, and I had an encounter with God, December 19th, 1996. And I, I, I think I even talked about it last week. I can't remember. It all runs together. But I just cannot describe what happened. I, don't, I, can't, I can't really categorize it as a specific thing. God just touched me and changed my life. I felt like a completely different person. It was like he put some kind of seed on the inside of me. And now I have more context and understand that he did. He put something in me that he intended to be a homing beacon for the rest of my life. And it was that I wanted desperately to experience his presence. I mean, I was so moved by what God did in my life that night. I went with my dad the next day to deliver uh, gifts to all of the people. My dad didn't know Jesus at the time, and we're, we're dropping off beverages that I have no interest in. And, and I wouldn't touch them because I'm like, I just, I just can't participate in anything right now. I just feel like a completely different person. I feel saved all over again. So we have that experience. We go back to college the next semester, and the church that, that we were loosely attending at the time, Calvary Temple, God starts moving in that church. Uh, the Brownsville Revival had been happening at that time, and a lot of churches were experiencing God moving. And, um, and so we were attending Calvary Temple, and they started doing Friday night renewal services. And so Michelle and I, pretty much the rest of our college years, every Friday night were at Calvary Temple, sitting in the pews, worshiping the Lord for hours, hearing a message, getting, our, getting ourselves in the altar, God touching us, laying in the carpet, weeping, just being touched by God. So that was our date nights. Just go get wrecked by Jesus. I mean, what God was doing during that time was so significant. At Evangel University, they had a, a chapel service where an altar call was given and hundreds of college students began to literally climb over the seats, running to just throw themselves into the altar. Chapels, uh, class chapels were going over time, uh, even in different um, academic arenas like political science. God was moving in the political science uh, department and uh, those classes were going well past. They would start in prayer and and... It just wouldn't really end, and everybody would be touched and blessed. And so that was really formative for us. So we go from there, and we're youth pastoring in Tullahoma. 
Tennessee. And I, I, I remember days, weeks, hours, I'd walk into the sanctuary and I would just pray. And I would ask the Lord, would you let me lead revival? I mean, I'm 21 years old, 22 years old. Would you let me lead environments where your glory shows up and people's lives are changed by you? And so we prayed and we believed. And then we went to Beaumont, Texas to be youth pastors. And Pastor Stephen and Shannon, they came to be the worship pastors there. And uh, our pastor that we served under had been Southern Baptist for 21 years. We were youth pastors at a church called Cathedral in the Pines Christian Center. We just called it Cathedral. And so we're youth pastor in there. Pastor Kitchens, our pastor, had been Southern Baptist for 21 years, had the doctorate, had all of it. Due to some situations with his sons, he just started getting desperate and seeking the Lord. And so he called a couple of people he knew that had been Southern Baptist but were spirit-filled. And he said, can y'all meet me at a hotel? I need you to explain this to me. And so in a hotel room, he gets baptized in the Holy Spirit, has a profound, dramatic encounter. And then he goes back and pastors First Baptist in Florida, big church, 1,500 people. For another year, year and a half, spirit-filled, he'd go in his office, shut the door, turn the music real loud. Just, he's like, and he finally figured out, like, I can't keep doing this. I don't want to hurt this church. I, I, don't, I don't want to create some type of big theological conundrum. I need to find an environment that, that I can be what God is doing in my life now. So he takes the church in Beaumont. He hires us as youth pastors. And he just wanted God. He was so hungry for God, and we were too. But he was really humble and, and just had such a good heart. And he, he admitted, like, I, I have no experience with this. I want the presence of God, but this is so new to me. And it was shocking how much... Like authority, he gave a 24-year-old, 25-year-old me and, and his worship leader to just say, like, let's experience God. So much so that he went on vacation and he, he scheduled me to preach. And uh, we had just took our students, nine of them, to a conference. The kids had gotten touched dramatically by the power of God. We bring them back. And that Sunday morning, I'm, I'm preaching. The pastor's not there. 25-year-old me in the pulpit. It's a church of eight or 900 people, one of the most white-collar environments I think I've ever been in. And, uh, I mean, for a country boy from Covington, I felt, you know, it was, it was foreign territory. And I preached a message called Pawn Shop Christianity. And I, I remember it, and it was based off the passage where I believe Jeremiah said, You've hewn for yourself cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. You've exchanged my glory for something inferior. So we had the students testify. I preached that message. I had a sinus infection. I had swimmer's ear. I couldn't hear out of one of my ears because we had went to the beach and my ears had got... I mean, I was a wreck. I did not feel good, but I preached my guts out. And I gave an altar call and I said, if y'all want this that we're talking about, come forward. And several hundred people came to the altar. Pastor Stevens leading worship. Yeah, you can clap. It gets better. And so I, I lay hands on the first person closest to the platform. And I, I, I'm not really interested in having a theological conversation about this. I'm just going to tell you what happened. I put my hands on the first person and his body crashed onto the platform. You could hear in the audio his body hitting the ground. I stepped back and said, whoa. 
And then we started laying hands on people. And we were there until 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock that day, God moving. And the Lord started moving significantly in the church for a season. Our youth ministry was experiencing revival. It was an amazing time. So we go from that and we move to Cleveland, Tennessee. And we're working with students from Lee University. Which, by the way, God's doing something there too right now. I don't know if you've seen that here in Tennessee. And so we're working with a, a group of young people there. Hungry for God to move. And about 10 to 15 of them met in an apartment one night and said, let's pray. They started praying, and it went into the wee hours of the morning, and they said, let's do it again tomorrow night. And so for weeks, every night, dozens of students started coming together, praying, seeking the Lord. We eventually moved it to a prayer tower at North Cleveland Church of God. But it was one of the richest experiences I've ever had, praying with a bunch of 20-year-olds And I could give you a lengthy list of names of them who are in ministry right now, who are preaching the gospel, whose feet are on foreign soil, who are worship leaders, who are church planners. And all that was born in prayer meetings that God orchestrated. So we go from there. And really the only time in our life where we didn't see what we were accustomed to seeing is when we planted a church and I did it outside of the authenticity of who the Lord had raised me to be. I tried to do church the way everybody said you're supposed to do church. And it left me depressed in my soul and barren in my heart. And so we just made a determination then and there. We will never, ever again not be true to who God made us to be. Never again. And if we're rejected, we're rejected. If it's not received, it's not received. But my soul can't handle it. God raised me. I got to be true to my raising. So we eventually become the district youth directors. And for the last 10 years, we've stood in rooms as hungry teenagers, hungry youth pastors, hungry kids, hungry kids pastors, and even hungry pastors have filled a hot gym or filled a convention center at Opperland Hotel And God has done miracles. Scoliosis healed. Deaf ears healed. uh, Heart issues healed, literally. I mean, we saw miracle after miracle after miracle. God coming and doing it. Touching and changing lives. Making all the difference. So, the Lord's raised us. And now He's brought us to be your pastor. And Michelle and I, yeah. Michelle and I have witnessed God move at almost every single stop. It always looks a little different. There's no concrete, it's got to look this way in my heart, or it has to look that way. There's nothing in anything that I said that I would say, that is quintessential and that has to be a part of it. But He has always moved anywhere we've ever been. And I'm just going to tell you, there's not one shred of doubt in our hearts. There's not one bit of hesitance. There's not one pause of uncertainty in Michelle and I that he'll do it again in this church. We sang it last week. My confidence is not in my gifting. It's not in anointing. It's not in skill. It's not in intellect. It's not in experience. It's not in connections. It's not in our building. It's not in resources. My confidence is this is who God's raised us to be. And he's going to be faithful to do what he's always done. 
I shared this with you last week, but I want to double down on it. My first summer leading as the district youth director, so 10 years ago, summer of 2012, I was standing in the altars, and I just wanted God to move, and I knew the people didn't quite know yet how to respond and engage to the Lord. And, and I was just expressing my frustration to the Lord. And he made this statement to me. He said, Jeremy, I'll come for you. And, and what I believe the Lord was doing is saying, you remember on December 19th, 1996, when I touched you, I put something in you that was a promise that if you'll be authentic to who I've made you, and if you'll seek me above all else, you can rest assured I'll show up. And by the second summer, it was completely different. God was moving in an unreal way. And so here we are. I don't know what it's going to look like. I can't clearly define every detail. If you're somebody that doesn't love ambiguity, hold on. But what I do know is we got this big building. And when I first became your pastor, I sought the Lord. Why do we have this big building? This building is not a testament to the success of man. This building is a testament to God's desire to have a place for His glory to dwell. A place big enough that's fitting for the God of the universe. And you know, I've had faith to believe God would fill that gym at Camp Jackson. I've had faith to believe He'd fill the, the, the youth center in Beaumont, Texas. But this is the biggest room I've ever been in to have to f- believe that God would fill it with Himself. And you know what? I believe He's big enough to fill this room with Himself. And so we're going to seek the Lord. We're going to make Him our priority. We're going to honor Him. We're going to bless Him. And we're going to see His glory settle here. I don't know when, but I know it's not an if. It is a when. It's not a might. It's not a possible. It will happen. He will move in this place in an unprecedented way. He'll do it. And there's an evolution. And if I were to explain it, I'd explain it like this. And we're going to get back into worship here in just a moment. I believe there are phases. Phase one is anointing, gifting, and passion. God honors the anointing on a person's life or He honors the anointing on leadership life and and leadership in the church. He honors the gifting and God touches people through that. But eventually you evolve to a place where suddenly you show up on like a January 1st, if y'all remember that day, and it just feels different in the room. Like His presence comes. And you'll start noticing that January 1st, happens about every four or five weeks and then it happens every three or four weeks and then it happens every two or three weeks and at some point you cross over into the glory of God settling on a house now we use this word in old school terms the Shekinah glory how many of y'all have used that term right well it is a term from ancient Judaism and the word Shekinah means dwelling or settling 
And it was used to communicate when God's glory would dwell and settle in the middle of the camp and all of the people's tents were established around the glory, but God never left. He came, He settled down, and He stayed. And that'll be what we get to at some point in time. I don't know if you're interested in that, but I am. This is the last thing I'll say, and then we'll worship. Whenever we were interviewing to be your pastor and we sat down with the committee, I shared with them what Michelle and I had been saying to one another for months. We know the Lord's made us a promise that He'll come for us. We know that He has told us He'll show up and He'll move. I told the committee, if God has ordained it for us to be your pastor, that means He has picked Cornerstone as a place He wants to move. So look at me. He has picked you as the people and the place He wants to move. He's chosen you. Can we just stand up together?